0: The year is 2000. I'm Dave. I'm Charlotte. And this is My Marvelous Year.
1: Welcome to My Marvelous Year, the Coming Book Podcast and Reading Club, where we go through the best of the Marvel Universe, well, the best, where we go through <laughs> the sum of the Marvel Universe from its origins to yep. today. Um, I'm Charlotte, your Coming Book Rainbow Belt, and I'm joined today by someone who is secretly a tinier, older, and angrier version of himself inside a giant flesh suit. It's Dave Busing. How's it going, Dave?
0: Hey, it's going really well. Yeah, honestly, it's like secret is out. Secret (laughs) is out at this point. I've been getting progressively tinier, definitely older, as I've been doing Comic Book Herald and the Mime World This Year Club here. And it's like, you can only hide the fact that you're a little person inside of a bigger person for so long. (laughs) 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 there's, There's a real shelf life on that secret. I gotta, you know what, Charlotte? I feel like we've talked about this before. I love it anytime that happens in a story. The little Shiar guy <laughs> who pops out of the bigger Shiar guy yeah. <laughs> in uh, in the Phoenix Saga, huge fan. Should know their name. Don't. Um, oh, no it happens idea. in Transformers more than meets the eye. Kind of. I won't. I won't spoil who because if folks haven't read that run, it's actually a really good <laughs> twist. But uh, yeah, yeah, big fan. Big
1: fan of that.
0: Less so of these comic books. Yeah, th- <laughs> there's some interesting so.
1: stuff. But um, yeah, we're gonna we'll talk about it. It's, it's uh, so we- well.
0: No, no, please, go on.
1: Yeah, so so we're doing a, a full X-Men event today two Well, one event with a, a slightly smaller event uh, tacked uh, at the end of it. Um, I mean, ca- kind of in the same way. Uh, so the two events are uh, Apocalypse The 12 is the name, I think, and then the Ages of Apocalypse. And it's kind of in the same yeah. way that Age of Apocalypse was brought by Legion Quest, but here it's the opposite. You have uh, first the big, longer event, and then... Uh, uh, an epilogue uh, that is uh, Ages of Apocalypse, and it's um, really trying to get that—I um, don't know—that enthusiasm around Age of, Ap- Age of Apocalypse back, and it um, doesn't necessarily succeed here. Um, yeah, yeah, we're really trying to st- start starting, <laughs> continuing to see the how the X Men fail to to excite after after the '90s, and uh, that they're in great need of a of a, of a Morrison to <laughs> to come here.
0: Right, right. I mean, that's definitely been the build of the last few years of X-Men comics, where yeah. we're like, as we're reading it, we're like, man, I cannot wait to get to the renewed vision of a creator, Graham Morrison, Frank Whiteley, who are like, going to do something interesting. Because X-Men comics are rough at this point in time. And I've said that before. You know, it was really funny last night. So we record early. And last night, Charlotte, we get the chat from our esteemed co-host, Zach, who's like, hey, I'm out tomorrow. <laughs> Didn't explain. What, but like, I like to imagine that he sat down to read Uh, what he read one issue of the 12 and was like, nope, I am out. <laughs> like, and, and you know what? You know what? Fair. Because I'm very, actually very interested in two things about this sequence. I'm um, I'm
1: I want to know if it's the same. I also have two things I am very interested in and they like have to do with more recent X-Men stuff. So I don't know we're going to have to, to okay. kind of uh, walk around that, to to not spoil stuff, but there are some things here that made me think of stuff I like. <laughs> let's <laughs> I you
0: know what? Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do, Charlotte. Let's let's alternate. Well, you'll say a thing <laughs> you're interested in, we'll talk about yep. that. <laughs> I'll do one that I'm interested in. We can alternate our two things. And if we're gonna talk about more contemporary stuff, we'll just we'll just put a little spoilery tag up front okay um I know a lot of the club likes to read in, in chronology with us and we love you for it and that's the plan. Uh, but if we're gonna get a little more contemporary you know we'll just mention as much but yeah. because I think here's the thing <laughs> we're gonna have to do that because otherwise this episode is gonna be seven minutes long <laughs> 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 like there's not there's just not, there are so many comics in this stinking crossover. It crosses over with everything in the X Men line through Cable and Wolverine and all that. And the twelve is just like a massive flipping slog and yeah. a dud. Um, so let's let's talk about the things that interest us about it because I do think there's some yeah.
1: stuff. Yeah, and to be to clear, deal. like it's to me for me it's stuff that like I see in this could be made better and have been made better. It's not stuff that I actually enjoy in this. Um, there's there's
0: literally one issue of this whole thing in the ages of apocalypse that I genuinely enjoy. Okay, there's one issue that I like am genuinely into. Okay, <laughs> so all right, let's let's hear your first thing.
1: Um, my first thing, it's it's hard it's hard to talk about without saying anything, but the the whole idea of what apocalypse is trying to do here and what the twelve are is like. 12 mutants that, if brought together, like their powers combined and their energies could make Apocalypse into a god, which, yeah. s- I mean, sounds dumb, but it's not dumber than, uh, than most uh, Marvel comics. Um What I see in that that's interesting is echoes of what uh, 2021, 2022 Marvel would call, and X-Men Marvel would call, um mutants... With circuits, I think. Is yeah. It? Yeah. Uh huh. And like using powers together, and like building on something like the the fastball special, but making it bigger and using uh, using individual m- mutant powers together to form systems and evo- what would be called technology in recent uh, in recent comics. That's a fun idea to me, and the mm. like. There's a page that I think is just someone explaining it, but in my mind I see as a as a Heckman data page of uh, someone right, explaining right. the that like Polaris and Magneto are the two opposite uh, magnetic poles, and uh, Xavier represents the mind, and then like you have other powers of mutants that are like represent ideas of the world that combined will make in. Uh, apocalypse into a god like that's that's a fun that's a fun superhero ID that i can see in that yeah. i've seen being made into more more interesting stuff
0: yeah for sure no i think the idea of i mean there's two parts to it right there's the the idea that like there are 12 prophesized mutants yeah that can come together either for the purposes of like mutant ascension on earth or to be manipulated by Apocalypse into his own ascent to godhood of sorts. Yeah. That's some that's some fun marvel mutant goofy stuff. Yeah. And- um and then just on a simple level, the synergies of combined mutant abilities. I mean, I uh, you know, just think of like Ultimate Alliance 2, the video game, yeah. where it's like, "Oh, if I play with Cap and Iron Man, I can blast repulsor rays off Cap's shield." Just the fun how powers combine stuff. Um, what they represent like there's yeah like that is conceptually appealing yeah. <laughs> there's nothing there's nothing wrong on paper with the idea of the 12 i don't think
1: Yeah, it's funny. I I am less interested in, like, the the prophecy part of it than I am in, like, Apocalypse. Seeing that and crafting his, almost almost a spell, like, it almost works in a more mystical than scientific way of, like, assembling Mm -hmm. mutant powers together as, like, ingredients to a spell is, like, a very fun idea to me. And I'm more interested in him creating that than that being a great ancient prophecy, which it's... I, honestly i'm I just read those and it's still a bit it's a bit foggy but i I think it's kind of a prophecy but like it's not it doesn't matter that much the specifics of how it works what's important that yeah so let's
0: can use them let's talk about the history of the 12 because that's actually my that's my first thing that is interesting okay about this series to me is is the history of this because I think for pretty much everybody reading it's gonna feel like oh this is like a new weird thing. Right, and it's like maybe like it, you know, the seeds start being planted in like the Alan Davis X Men run, which starts around issue ninety, aka the time when Wolverine died and Professor X split up the X Men. But then it turned out Wolverine was a scroll. We passed over that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we skip. We skipped over that part. Um, so that the history of the Twelve though actually goes back to like the Louis Simonson X Factor Power damn. Pack. Um, and this was something I was not aware of until. I think I was researching like Franklin Richards is how I, I don't even think it was apocalypse. I think I was researching Franklin Richards and, um and he comes into play because he's, he's predicted to be part of the 12 initially. It's like an issue of power pack that I don't, I don't think it's even on Marvel unlimited. It's kind of an interesting thing. Um, But anyway, like Simonson puts out this idea of the 12 mutants that are sort of essential again to like, basically like, you know, someone came from the future and revealed, like, these are the 12 that are most critical. And I think in the Simonson version, it's like a sentinel. Get, I think it's Master Mold gets hold of this info. And then it's like this, this sentinel weapon is, there, in Power Pack especially, I think it's like kind of like a hunt to exterminate those 12. To prevent that mutant okay. future from coming to be. Um, so I, I find that element of it kind of interesting. The thread generally gets dropped, though, until much later in the 90s when I think cable picks it back up again and then we kind of have this build to it being a a 12 mutants versus apocalypse kind of saga. Um, and then what Alan Davis does is he warps it in a different direction and he makes it a part of destiny's Diaries. Okay. and this is an issue of I think it's like X-men 93 or 94. Which I have definitely reread for the Destiny components. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right. You know, semi recently. And uh, Kate Pride or Kitty Pride at this point finds Destiny's diaries because Destiny's dead. She's, she's dies way back, you know, by Legion slash Shadow King in the, you know, late 80s, early 90s. And, um, and she, Kate uncovers the diaries here. And the big thing that they find in there is this like mystery of the 12. So there's, there's actually a fair amount of seating. The problem or one of the problems is it's like three completely different visions that are not really even trying to play with each other. <laughs> like, yeah. like Alan Davis, I don't think is trying to connect to the, the Simonson version of things really at all aside from the nomenclature. So it's like, it's not like a, it's cool in the sense that there's history, but it's not cool in the sense that it's completely disconnected, and it's not like oh, if you've been following the breadcrumbs, here's your payoff. Like it's super obscure. Yeah,
1: and the specifics are messy, and when you're reading it, you just your mind is kind of glazing over. Yeah, okay, I get it. There's twelve people. Apocalypse wants to become a guide. and I don't need the details. Like yeah, for, for exactly. The most part, yeah.
0: Yes, for sure. Um, but I do like. I it's one of those things where it's like okay, I can see with the history. And with the premise, this potentially becoming something cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep. You can see the tapestry, like through which this could be actually a pretty interesting apocalypse event. Because yeah. that's the other thing is like, apocalypse has been actually pretty n- non present after Age of Apocalypse in the like actual Earth 616 X Men universe. Right. Like, we actually don't see a lot of apocalypse really from, like, um, really after, like, Extinction Agenda, you know? Because, obviously, Age of Apocalypse is, is all Apocalypse all the time, but that's an alternate reality. Yeah. And then X-Men comics actually, like, kind of take a pause. So this is, like, a big return of, I mean, the ex-villain of the 90s, right? I mean, I guess Magneto, right, has a big 90s as well. Um, but, you know, if if anyone has, certainly, most improved player is going to be Apocalypse yeah. in the 90s. And... Uh, and you know, this is the big comeback. We're doing a huge apocalypse event. It's going to involve everything like just on paper. I'm getting a little excited about that, but then you actually read it and it is just the most convoluted dregs of, of comics. And it's, it's so disappointing. And I mean, yeah, the whole thing is really just apocalypse collecting 12 mutants, putting them in bubbles. He's got a whole wild plot here to like, distract the x-men with scrolls <laughs>
1: <laughs> which... which is very funny how the how easily the x-men get duped by the by the scrolls uh like yeah pretending to be alex summers and and other and other dead x-men or, or people like that and every yeah. single x-men is like oh alex you're back and goes back to them and gets taken that way it's it's kind of funny how dumb they're portrayed to be um, yeah, yeah right
0: they're tricked easily because like once you once you see a scroll reveal like you should be on edge yeah <laughs> like permanently you know yeah, right They like you just should, got you know,
1: tricked by by scroll wolverine and then they're, they're still at it yeah
0: uh-huh exactly it's that fool me once yeah you know I w- saying i will but it's, say it's over and over
1: i find very fun the the visual of a battle between the x-men on one side and on the other side an army of Egyptian pharaohs looking guys and scrolls together is a very fun <laughs> visual for an army. Right, it it looks like right. I'm I'm watching. Do you know the the video game um, Totally Accurate Battle Simulator?
0: I do not. No, it's
1: a it's a simulator game where you can just like create armies of random people and pigeons and ducks and tanks and anything you want and just <laughs> make them fight each other and see the results and it has that fun feel to me to me. Like of just run random battles of people who don't match aesthetic wise but are still on the same side. That's very fun to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah. a good comp. I mean I think the scroll stuff too is like I don't want to give it too much credit because it's not it's not well done no. in these in these comics but it is a little predictive of kind of how Skrulls are going to play a role in the Marvel universe like X-Men kind of tap into a what if with the Skrulls a little bit in a way that we haven't haven't really seen yeah so it's it's, like early I think that's like
1: a, a third semi thing I like here we, is like the fact that first of all Apocalypse is dealing with the Skrulls and like just on paper Apocalypse in space is always a fun yeah. idea Um, And, yeah, dealing with the idea of mutant scrolls, like, going deeper than what we've seen in, uh, what even was it, Uh, Cadre K, I can't remember what that was, Um, but, like, the idea... In in Maximum Security, yeah. Yeah, right, Maximum Security, which we just read, and I've already forgotten Maximum Security. Um (laughs) You know what, though,
0: like, as you're talking about that, I have no flipping idea what the chronology is between Professor X being Cadre K and maximum that's security all. Think, and all of this stuff i think max like security that comes this. after this yeah but like
1: must. has professor xavier created the whole of karaoke between those two things i don't know um I, maybe. Think,
0: I think so i think so because i think so because this is like early 2000s and i think the maximum security event is like late 2000s so probably these we should have done these um episodes in reverse order, yeah. I guess, but I don't uh, remember
1: any because here we only see one, at least one mate, uh, one main mutant scroll character whose name is Fizz, yeah. I think, um, who like comes to the X Men for help and is taken in and like he he helps them against Apocalypse and like seeks shelter with them, um, but like he doesn't. I can't remember him having any kind of focus in Maximum Security if he's even a part of of K-R-K. But anyway, I think that idea is a fun one and like. Doing the usual thing of uh, of mutant that is a former enemy, like the rogue thing of a mutant that is a former enemy joining the X Men, uh, coming to them for help and and becoming an ally, and some X Men being distrustful distrustful of it at first, and then uh, mm-hmm. coming to coming to accept them. Like that's that's a fun idea to do that with a scroll, and like reading this, I'm like, oh, I I. I hope they do more stuff like that and then I remember I've read more X-Men comic and they don't really do at least it's not like right. a big story focused around that like you see examples of it but it's always the same thing it doesn't go way further than that I don't I don't think um but yeah it's it's once again in, interesting idea it's, there's not much of it here but like I see the potential but I see it because I love X-Men and I love that universe but if I was just like reading it uh, like any other comic I'd be like I, I guess it's fine.
0: <laughs> I mean like if this was if this was an Avenger story yeah. for example I'd be so out. You know like you'd be so yeah like you'd be so out so fast. Um and that's like like there kind of our Avenger stories not the the trope of like a villain collecting heroes in bubbles to do something mysterious with (laughs) like that happens a lot in Marvel history. Um, I'm thinking of, of the collector for example, has that, you know, which actually those are some really good issues where like Hawkeye goes and saves them. I think that's during the Corvac saga. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think this is, you know, a while back, I think it was just Zach and I, it's probably maybe before you even joined, we were talking about like just X-Men comics and kind of fandom and all that. And, you know, I said something to the effect of like, I'm at the point where, because X-Men comics were so interesting in the modern day, that I can read any old X Men story, and I'm like kind of excited to do it, yeah. and like find some value in it.
1: That's because still true? it's kind
0: of like it's not still true. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's it's hardcore. Not still true. The nineties uh,
1: happened before between those two statements. <laughs> well, it's kind of
0: a it's kind of a mixture of things, right? It's kind of a mixture of the the downward slope post Claremont, post Age of Apocalypse, really. Yeah. You know, the downward slope is so steep. I think from from onslaught through right now through 2000. Yep, Um, that hurts a lot, right? Because then it's like, all right, if I'm reading these, I'm not doing it for anything other than like continuity nerd historical research. Yeah, like there is not. To be clear, when we're talking about the X Men
1: line in the in the 90s, we're talking about three X Men comic, two Nathan Semer comics, (laughs) which is a very fun X Men line.
0: (laughs) Right, you got Wolverine in there, but oh, otherwise, yeah, yeah you have got X-Men and Cable, which I've just never, these eras just, nope. I, nope. I cannot <laughs> get into those at all. But yeah, no, and then the other component of it is is the, you know, kind of the vision and the purpose of modern day X-Men has shifted as well and yeah. kind of lost some of that connective tissue. And you know, one thing that I haven't talked about a lot, but that has bummed me out about the X-Men reboot of 2019, House of X and Powers 10. and I'll say this completely without spoilers, um, it had so much potential for playing with the past it had so much potential for sort of reframing the history of X-Men comics essentially and that was the you know when I was talking to Zach about the um the joy I was finding and like seeing how it could reframe all these old stories yeah they that hasn't actually happened like that hasn't actually manifested um any reframing of the past any sort of pulling from continuity stuff that's actually not been implemented like at all. So that that's the other component where I'm like, well, I could find connections in what apocalypse is doing in this story and what they did with the character you know last year or whatever. Um but the creators don't seem interested in doing that too. So yeah, <laughs> it's kind of I've got you know n- now it's just fan fiction. Right now it's just I'm just doing my own thing which um which you know more power to you. Uh so okay, what is your what is your second the 12 interesting item
1: it's well <laughs> now that we talked about the fact that we're less excited about at, at least that uh the the current line of x-men comics have has less stuff than one could hope to get excited about past uh, comics and like recontis- recontextualizing that yeah. i'm really excited in what uh, in stuff that is in this comic and that alluring is doing currently and some hickman stuff okay we like the idea of Hmm. Um, well, in in one of the issues of uh, Ages of Apocalypse. So Ages of Apocalypse is like apocalypse is messing with time stuff and like putting different X-Men in different time contexts and like alternate lives for for the X-Men. And one of these is like I think it's in this one. It's a, it's a far future thing or at least like end of the 21st century uh, type of thing where the the X-Men and mutants in general have become like the peace force for the entire solar system or maybe may even the galaxy and, like, they're yep. they're the ones keeping the peace and being an important political force in in the galaxy. That's an incredibly fun idea that Alluring is doing kind of right now and that's, like, some of probably my favorite comics uh, at Marvel right now. Um, yeah.
0: so, so we have the same... We have the exact same second yeah. <laughs> entry because that issue specifically... Um, I think it's, is it X-Men 98? I think it's the
1: very final issue of the list, which let's, is... Yeah.
0: Let's verify as we talk about it. But that yeah. issue is, um, I think it's written by Al Davis. And so so the way the 12 ends, the 12 ends with um, Apocalypse trying to conduct this mutant circuit to ascend to power. And as he's doing it, basically Cycro- Cyclops... <laughs> I think I said Cyclops, yeah, Cyclops there, which is, is just that's just Cyclops in a, in a crop top, I think. That, that's um, best just Cyclops. Just looking good. <laughs> yeah, that's just beach body Cyclops. Yep. Uh, but yeah, no, it's X-Men 98. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about. But at the end of it, Cyc- uh, Cyclops jumps in the way of whatever, you know, MacGyver It's right? not X-Men Apocalypse 98. Oh, yeah, happen.
1: it is. Sorry, it is. You're right.
0: Yes. Um, and Cyclops jumps in the way, and what happens then is instead of Apocalypse like transplanting his godhood powers into the already Omega-like powers of Nate Gray is like Apocalypse and Scott Summers combined in this weird (laughs) Apocalypse. Cyclops. Yeah. (laughs) One of the two. Um, And that is going to leave Cyclops with like the memories and sort of the personality imprint of En Apocalypse. And that is the one thing that as you go into the more interesting x-men comics that we're going to read soon that that kind of lingers a little bit because it is going to impact scott's psyche of a sort and and particularly it's going to impact kind of who he is but then also like how he's relating to gene gray because they are still married at this point but even at the start of this event they're like they're kind of like do we leave the x-men do we go like they're, they're you can tell there's like a little fraying at the edges yeah of that historical Marvel romance. Um, but, okay, so that's how it ends. But then, you know, what that sets up, yes, is Age of Apocalypse, these alternate realities where Apocalypse is trying to, like, still maintain the power. I guess, ostensibly, like, that's what's happening, but really it's just, like, an excuse to do, like, five alternate reality stories that yeah. do not, like, this 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 crossover makes no sense. I mean, <laughs> like, this this Ages of Apocalypse is one of the most convoluted Marvel things I think we've ever read. Yep. In terms of, like, trying to actually follow a through line. But, The thing that we both like is Age of Apocalypse, X-Men number 98. This issue, flipping rules. (laughs) I love, (laughs) love, love love this comic. It's written and drawn, written and penciled by Alan Davis. We got inks by Mark Farmer. I based like a whole video about this um, on on the Comic Herald YouTube channel. It's called How the X-Men Conquer the Galaxy. This was like right before Al Ewing was announced on S.W.O.R.D. and stuff like that. So it was predictive of what was going to happen. And it's happening. And... It was like, it was hugely based on this comic, which basically looks at, hey, what if the X-Men became major players in the galactic side of things? I mean, there's always been, not always, but like post-Claremont, there's a huge space element um, to the X-Men. Actually, yeah. you know what? It kind of always has been there, even in the weird Silver Age stuff. They do, a, they have a lot of weird interactions <laughs> with like <laughs> space beings and deities and the stranger and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, this issue in particular really looks at like, what if not only the X-Men of Earth and mutants kind of had a role, but also like, Hey, are there mutants uh, elsewhere in the galaxy? You know, and we're kind of starting to see that here with the scrolls. Right. And that's what we saw with professor X and the scrolls in codra K in maximum security. Yeah. And it starts looking at like, okay, what about mutant sort of Ascension? What about mutant relationships and, and roles throughout the entirety of the galaxy? And how could that manifest? It's actually a really cool book. I don't, I don't know or care how it connects to the 12, but no. I really like what it's doing. It doesn't really. Le- no, but like if this was, like, this is the problem is like once this issue drops, it's like, oh, this was the five issue mini series you should have told. Yeah. You know, yeah, it was yeah. just this, like just Alan Davis leaning into this. Unfortunately, they don't come to it till the very end <laughs> of the mess, <laughs> you know? But it's, if you read nothing else, I would say just jump in and read this issue. Because it's cool, it's predictive, and it is, um, yeah, without spoiling anything, like it's super relevant to to what's happening in in the most exciting X-Men comics right now.
1: Yeah, and I I really like the idea. I I don't think that gets played with really at all as an idea, but in X-Men 98, the way it's talked about, it feels like, yes, you have... You have human mutants, you have scroll mutants, but you basically uh-huh. also have mutants of every other species in the galaxy. Like right. in theory, that's a thing. Like that's that's such a fun idea that even like even in the current uh, current uh, realm of X Men, I don't think is really true. You have you have mutant X Men's X Men's. Yep. Yep. Thank you, Charlotte. Uh, <laughs> even when we've seen at this point, <laughs> you have Warlock. You have uh, here. You have. Uh, well, you have Fizz but who doesn't get played with in, in recent comics and you have other examples of it. But yeah, that's and like that's a fun idea in what it can mean for what like discussing what a mutant is and the themes of that, like what defines a mutant? Is it someone who has an X gene? Is it something deeper than that? Like that's that's a fun idea. That isn't present at all in this comic, but like in the version of this that is a twelve issue event in that universe, maybe, you know, like that, that could be an interesting thing to 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 talk about and discuss. It's not here, but yeah. Uh, no,
0: it's not, but it is. it raises the question if you weren't asking it before. And I don't know, it can feel like kind of a semantic thing, I suppose, as far as like, okay, what's a mutant? How do we define it? What is it technically? But it does kind of become an important thing to at least align on as a creator, right? If you're telling these types of stories, because it sort of dictates what the X-Men's role in the galaxy can be, right? Like, you know, do we consider Warlock a mutant or do we consider him, you know, a a different, I don't even know what you'd say, just like a a deviation from the Technarchs, right? Um, That question might feel like unimportant, but it kind of does, it creates a sense of solidarity and community and potentially culture for mutant kind as they are making their way into space. And, and I guess that kind of in the traditional X-Men story is kind of irrelevant because it's like in your classic example, it's just like a group of like eight mutants going to space. Right. And what we're talking about though, is more about like societies and an empire building in some ways. Right. And that's where it actually starts to become, I think a really interesting question. And I think for me as a fan, I am game to accept either answer. It's just up to who's telling the story and how are they going to define it. Yeah, right? I think like, it's like... As long the... as they define it and are consistent, I yeah, okay, let's go.
1: Not, I mean, I don't know, because to me, it's more the idea of asking the question in itself, even if you don't have, like, a clear, definitive answer. Cause I'm, I, I totally see what you mean, and I am also interested in what it can mean for, like the mutants as like Galactic Empire, talking about societies and, and all that stuff, like that's that's a very fun X-Men idea to play with but I'm also interested in just like asking that idea, asking that question and what it like how hard it is to answer it because of what X-Men represent for like discriminated people and marginalized people and like what do do we define what a mutant is and what it can mean by like a gene they all have and, like, a very sci-fi superhero thing that is far from reality? Or, like, does it mean something more? Like, in the idea that it is, like, the scrolls are... Like, the, the mutant scrolls, at least w- w- the way we see it in the, in Maximum Security, are basically suffering a genocide. Like, there, there are things right. like that across the, the galaxy. And, like, that idea of solidarity between mutants of, uh, of different worlds, is, like, is a very interesting idea and, like... I don't think we need a definitive answer to what a mutant means specifically, and like just asking that question and exploring the the depth of of what mutant can mean in the in the Marvel universe like is an interesting uh, question to explore, even if there is like there isn't a law explanation uh, specifically uh, that is uh, given at the end.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Ultimately, I mean, I think like as far as the genetics of it, yeah. You know, the, oh, a mutant is defined as having an X gene and blah, blah, blah. I do not care. Like, I don't I don't understand genetics in reality. I don't <laughs> need to understand them in the comic book.
1: Because then it gets into... I th- think what... It also gets into, like, the, the Eternals, the Deviants, uh, and... Uh, yeah, Because I think technically... Aren't old scrolls deviant scrolls? Like they're the equivalent of deviants for the scrolls. And then recent years, like mutants are kind of deviants. so maybe old scrolls are mutants. I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> no, I, like yes, like these are the types of semantic arguments yeah. that like you can make a case for. Um, but then it's like, okay, but to what end is there a story to be told based on that? How does that impact these characters? <laughs> you know, yeah. in any meaningful way. So I think to your point about, I don't care if the scroll, the cadre K scrolls have the X gene. I do care that because they're perceived as mutants, they're combating an attempted genocide. Yeah, Like that is, the, it's the mutant metaphor, but then it's also like, okay, there's now a, a relationship and empathy and story to be built on top of that. Um, so again, I'm a very flexible in terms of like, who can and can't be a mutant. I think it's, I think it's like anything honestly, where you kind of just don't want to overdo it, you know, like, like mutant dumb in the Marvel universe is limited, right? There are limitations on the numbers and it's why they, they reflect a minority metaphor, right? I think if you go out in the galaxy and it's like, actually mutants are everywhere. Um, You can tell that story, but it's a different story now. Yeah. You know? Um, And and now it's kind of... Now it's a story about a minority finding that actually they're the galactic power. Right? Which, again, maybe that's an interesting story, but, like, that's never been the bent of the Marvel Universe. So, so yeah, I'm I'm super open to this. I think, for me, though, it's just, like, there's so many opportunities. There's so many angles you can take this line of thinking. Um, And it's kind of wild how this issue drops and then... Like when I think about the next 20 years or no, like really, you know, almost 20, I guess it's like 18, the next 18 years of X-Men comics after this and like, think about the times they spend in space and kind of the relationship to the galaxy. There's like one significant thing I can think of. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, ironically, it's during the Ed Brubaker written Uncanny X-Men, which is, which is probably like the least of what he's known for. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I didn't even Um, know that was a thing. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, so, but like it's you know it's pretty untapped. Yeah, it's pretty and untapped. It's and also it's, that's how it goes sometimes.
1: incredibly more f- interesting than having the scrolls be like an evil race in a way. It's been a lot. And by the way, sure. uh, Scott doesn't get enough uh, shit here for saying that uh, all scrolls are born evil and that's what they're bred to do. And <laughs> like we shouldn't trust uh, Fizz for that. Jeez. And that like, like Gene barely responds to that, and no one else calls him out on it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I was not reading this closely enough to to pick up on that. Yep. But good grief, Scott. Yeah. Good grief. Well, and you know what? It's funny. Not not that's funny. But, like, this is the end of the most boring possible Cyclops. Like, this is the era of when people think of, oh, Cyclops is boring and I don't like this character, which is, like, a stereotype that definitely has followed, I think, through X-Men fandom. And it really gets cemented with the way the character's underutilized in the films you know um this is this is finally (laughs) the end of that era because it's true like for the majority of the 90s that is the scott summers who was present is is the boy scout team leader i mean the most interesting stuff that you can say about scott during this era is probably just like kind of like just the fact that he's building a family in the weirdest possible way (laughs) (laughs) You know, with time travel and losing his son and not actually having him like that's the I guess the continuity relevant stuff. But it's funny, like when you actually look back in the 80s, right, in the Claremont stuff, especially post burn, Scott Summers is like fascinating. Like he's a jerk. He's a mess. Um, He's he's a super flawed team leader. He loses leadership to a powerless storm. He marries a clone of his deceased wife and has a kid (laughs) kid, and then bails on her at the first opportunity.
1: Like that's an interesting character. You know, and he's now he both he's has terrible. three children and no children at the same time. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> right, right. Which is like, like, as a father, right, as a father <laughs> of three. Even listen, you have those moments where you're like, how, how many of your kids
1: under- are from alternate timelines, Dave? Be honest. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that's the thing. Is like, listen, when you just want to play video games at night, it's like I'd, I'd give them to an alternate reality for a couple hours. <laughs> you know it's like we we could do that um but big, like but like all the time all the time that'd be way too much that would make yep. me incredibly sad <laughs> um but then scott is like you know it's like he's not I, that that person should be emotionally devastated all yeah. the time you know um to lose yeah anyway <laughs> scott scott handles it a little too easily yep. i think i'll say that. <laughs> agreed Uh, okay but this is this is definitely as we move on to new creators um we're going to be entering a good cyclops era and it might be—it might seem hard to believe, but it's coming. It's coming.
1: Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. Like, yeah, <laughs> like you said, it gets cemented by the movies that Scott is in, is a Boeing character, which I don't think he is. At at least I don't think he has to be. But uh, yeah, I'm. This made me realize. So we we're, we're reading two thousand X Men comics. This is. The year or a year after, I can't remember, the first X-Men movie. Can you imagine coming out of the theater after having watched the first <laughs> X-Men movie and picking up Ages of Apocalypse and Apocalypse the 12th and trying oh, to understand man. what the hell is going on?
0: Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> so that movie came out in July 2000.
1: Okay. So we're first almost x X-Men there. movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, but you would have been walking in and being like, all right, I'll pick up... Uh, this copy of of X Men ninety eight <laughs> that's that's still in shops here It was cover dated March two thousand. Yeah, man, what a what a just absolute <laughs> yep. cluster of a of a continuity to waltz into. Um, do you like do you like the first X Men movie? I I
1: mean I think so. I which is a weird answer. Yeah, I I think I've the last time I rewatched it was like two years ago, and I think I think I remember enjoying it. Uh, like surprisingly so because it has. Like it hasn't aged. It hasn't aged well on some levels of like special effects and even some sure. uh, some actors uh, acting and uh, But I I like it all. I didn't remember how fun uh, how much fun uh, Ian McKellen is having as Magneto. Like he plays Magneto almost as arcade in some ways. <laughs> like very oh, yeah. funny yeah. and and making jokes uh, with the X Men in a way that like doesn't really happen in the comics, but that I actually really enjoy when it's Ian McKellen doing it.
0: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I've Ian McKellen could do no wrong yep. in my view. Like, I'm just absolutely over the moon for his performances as Magneto and Gandalf from this era. Yeah. Like, like maybe the most important man in my life <laughs> from <laughs> from 2000 to like 2004. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, I, I I this movie was like because I was like 12. Like, I should have been like in theory I should have been like crazy about this movie, but I was like weirdly slept on. It was that it was the first Spider Man was the one where I was like all in, you know, yeah. theater front row, like, oh, wow, we're doing this. And that was the one that got me really excited. Um, it wasn't it wasn't the first X-Men. I remember liking it fine. And then the second X-Men is like my favorite movie of all time. Okay. <laughs> and I'll never watch it again because I, I'm too scared that that'll get changed in my adulthood. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I did not have, I know I like it fine. I don't have like massive criticisms of it, but I definitely didn't watch this and think like, X-Men are here, baby. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't hit me over the head like that. I
1: don't know. I, I watched it. I still watched it before most of, uh, before reading most comics. Like, I think I watched it after watching one of my first uh, Marvel movies, which was Days of Future Past. Um, but yeah. yeah, I watched it, yeah, probably 2014. Uh, and I, I think even then, I I, rem- I, I really liked it at, as my first uh, movie, which I was too busy being uh, having just been born in in 2000 to watch uh, the movie when, <laughs> when it came out.
0: I'm surprised your parents weren't in the theater. Yep. And like, you know, it was kind of an emergency birth right there, but they didn't want to leave and miss the movie. They can were like, what's, what's going to happen?
1: In like a showing of X-Men one in 2000, <laughs> that'd be an amazing origin story for me. <laughs>
0: It would be the the perfect origin story. Yeah, absolutely. I, and and would cement that you definitely have the X gene. <laughs> like, like, unquestionably.
1: <laughs> like, anytime someone argues with me about any X-Men stuff, I can just say, I was born in 2000 <laughs> in the theater watching X-Men 1. You can't argue against that absolute argument right.
0: uh winner for sure
1: yeah if yeah, you were you born during the showing of uh, x-men 1 in 2000 please uh, give us a call <laughs> we'd love to have you there uh, please the write
0: show. yes my year at gmail.com we do <laughs> want to collect that entire audience yep <laughs> amazing um okay so yeah no it is interesting though that like i mean i think the history even now with the mcu like the history of marvel comics actually like sort of tying in and acknowledging that, like, there are movies <laughs> happening yeah. is pretty bad. You know, we kind of talked about, like, in, in 98 with Blade even. Like, you start to get some miniseries and stuff, you know? But it's not like there's, like, this massive... Even with Marvel Knights, like, they could have been like, there's a Blade movie. Um, Hey, Priest, can you do a Blade series? Like, they don't do that, you yeah. know? Like, they just don't pull that trigger. And that, like, you see for characters
1: shifting closer to their movie count- counterparts, but you don't see a push to, like... An in- editorial thing of trying to to make comics uh, more accessible to to movie guys, like, and so people just check out the the comic because oh that that character looks like the one I just watched, but then they just drop it because it's incomprehensible.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And we are you know we are going to be getting into the era of everyone wearing leather. Um, yep. That's that's like you know Matrix is happening. This X Men movie, um, Doc Ock's getting he's getting his credit card ready. <laughs> for some leather <laughs> purchases, which good for Doc, good for Doc, but also, of course, the X Men. Um. So, all right. So, I don't think I don't know. Do you do, were there any other items from the twelve or just kind of stuff around it that that we didn't cover yet?
1: Not really. I don't think so. I mean, it's it's literally like if you ask someone who's read some Marvel comics to picture a, a an X Men event in their head, like that's that's what they picture. It's like it hits all the the K the the squares on the bingo card, like you have some weird time travel stuff. You have uh, a long time X Men turning <laughs> against uh, their their old time friends, which is added uh-huh. by the fact that they're also being mind control, which is a- another square that's being ticked. Like
0: you get to, you get to put a free space on any card on the board yep. if the person being controlled is also havoc, because it's always <laughs> havoc. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, you have a, a death at the end that you know is going to be overturned very soon, but like everyone's acting like it it won't. Um, yeah. You get so, yeah. I guess this
0: kind of functions as a death of Cyclops. I guess we kind of bypass that because we yeah. talked about what's. We, oh yeah,
1: so it's definitely be- before Maximum Security because in Maximum Security, every mutant was like, "Oh, Cyclops dead. I'm sad." <laughs>
0: yeah, we glossed over that. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty hard. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> guess it's not going to linger. Guess it's not gonna linger. Um, you know what? We do need to actually write down this X Men bingo card because this sounds like yeah. a lot of fun. Well, but it's to, too late um, for that because make... we're getting
1: into Morrison, and I'm guessing that's kind of six. And that's gonna blow it up, up yeah. for sure. We'll right? we'll bring it back to... for for post Morrison.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good idea. Um. Okay. Cool. So this ends this ends the 2000 comics. Next, we're going into 2001. Uh. Obviously, as we've been alluding to, the first episode there is gonna be New X Men. Uh. But then the second episode is gonna be. More X-Men focused, but just kind of like the the world of mutants starts to get a little strange, a little inventive, um, and sometimes a little conservative when it returns to Chris Claremont and Extreme X-Men. We're going to read that one as well. So we're going to do X-Force, Extreme X-Men, and Exiles uh two of those 3 series i really like okay um so so that'll be interesting okay, okay. that'll be well, that'll i'm be interesting to go back to but yeah 2001's ones pretty loaded then we got the bendis daredevil really kicking off in earnest um we got of course our our avengers staple the kang dynasty Ooh. now now the name of the major avengers event coming so it's interesting if nothing else in name only because of the kang <laughs> and probably in you know? name
1: only but we'll see
0: I mean, I listen. I guarantee I've got too many issues of the Kang Dynasty on here, but I'm curious. I'm <laughs> what curious. Is seven to go
1: back. issues. That's seven issues of King is like is a real ask, but we'll we'll see how it goes.
0: We might we might shorten that. No, you know, part of it is I just I can't fine, remember fine. what the good ones are. Well, um, so as I'm doing it, either
1: way, we'll be saved by a a Patreon uh, ad. I think if I'm seeing that right on the on the list,
0: we do have a Patreon request for more Hulk, which you know we do. I don't think we mentioned this episode, but if you want to support the show. You can go to patreoncom Year. It's all super appreciated. One of the tiers, um, if you support us at a certain level, you can actually add comics to the list for for a year of your choosing, as long as we haven't already covered it. I guess I think we've talked about this. I think you can add them retroactively, but we're not going to cover it. So, kind of, kind of, we frown upon that. <laughs> kind of, we frown upon that, and I mean, generally she wants just to like waste if you some add some dollars, like go ahead, man. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a waste. If you if you um want us to talk about them which you know we'd love to uh then you can add them from you know at this point now it's going to be 2002 and forward you got to get them in yeah um from 2002 to present day you can pick any comics that you want to make sure they're on the list of course the grand mystery there is what's going to be on the list from 2011 to present day right we have not published those yet um Ooh, that's true. honestly yeah. charlotte In some ways, I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) In some ways, I do not even know. You know, it's it's funny because, like, I've made so many lists and written so many things about Marvel Comics of that era that it's like I know all the runs really well, but how I'm going to break it down into a My Marvel's Year reading list, I have not decided yet.
1: Okay. Well I'm we'll I'm interested to I'm interested to see that. I can can we just do like the whole Karen Gillen just to like Zach isn't here right now, so we can decide that, right? <laughs> <laughs> just do you know every what? Marvel Karen Gillen comic? I'm
0: kinda doing that right now because I've got my Yeah right. with with uh Karen Gillen. Um it's in we we had to push it back because of some yeah. scheduling stuff. So I've got a couple weeks here. But I've got in my office right now, I've got trades from the library of every every trade of die. Every trade of Wickdiv. um hell yeah! What else am I sitting on? I'm sitting on every issue of Once in Future and uh, uh, Peter Cannon. I've got just the biggest Gillen binge, and then of course I'm gonna I'm gonna have to re up on his X Men stuff.
1: Have you Have um, you gone back to Phonogram for this, or is that too much?
0: Yeah, I read Phonogram not that long ago. Oh, the first okay. Time, like, within the last couple of years, so I actually don't think I need to redo that. Okay, um, you know Phonogram hits really effectively for me when it's talking about like 2007 2008 indie indie rock stuff um because that was absolutely when I was getting into that you know so okay. when it's making like the long blondes and tv on the radio references I'm like yeah I was I was there for that yeah I, I'm I had those experiences
1: the thing is I love Karen Gillan I really like phonogram I mean <laughs> I tend to like phonogram I don't know any of the references I think like Three reference I got was like The Beatles, Elton John, and Arctic Monkeys. And Arctic Monkeys, someone saying they don't <laughs> like Arctic Monkeys. In for so. <laughs> yep.
0: Well, the first like the first like five issues, like the first series of it, is like all Britpop, yeah. right? Um, and like the whole thing turns on how familiar you are with Blur and Damon Alburn. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, and for me, that actually like kind of works because I like Blur a lot. Um, but yeah, it's it's hilariously specific yeah um that is the series that got me into oh shoot they have the guitarist who disappeared oh I, all i can think now is I manchester have united I'd have no idea oh that. man all i can think is manchester united and that's a soccer club yeah that's not if... <laughs> it's not massive attack it starts with an m oh it's gonna drive m- me crazy
1: not muse right
0: <laughs> not muse no it's like a longer name they do like really political rock um Wow, I'm nothing. embarrassing myself because I said I got really into them. The guitarist's name was Richie. All right, we're going to figure this out. Guitarist Missing <laughs> Richie. Richie James Edwards. Manic Street Preachers. There we go.
1: I have no idea what that is. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you should check out the Manic Street Preachers. Uh, okay, some, I'll some do good that.
0: stuff. Yeah, yeah. Motorcycle Emptiness. That's a good song. Okay. Good track. <laughs> um, okay, clearly the 12 was not that interesting because we're talking about Manic Street Preachers. <laughs> Uh, yep. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. I mean, I would actually say, Charlotte, I, this was my least favorite crossover I think we've ever read. Wait, X-Men crossover or just
1: crossover? Well, I was going to say X-Men, but now I'm kind of like... Okay, no, that's I crazy, like, the whole... is yes. If you're saying that's the worst crossover we've oh, we've read, I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to make you reread <laughs> Secret Wars 2. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, okay. I had a, I had a little <laughs> temporary insanity yep. there. You're right. You're right. I went temporarily <laughs> insane. That is definitely not worse than... You know what, though? It's not that much better.
1: Oh, it, I mean... It's not Secret that much better. Secret Wars wishes it had that, like, that uh, future, uh, future timeline stuff. Like, That's true. Every... That's true. I don't love Ages of Apocalypse, but, like, it does some kind of fun ideas of uh, alternate timelines that, like... A miser ahead of anything in Secret Wars two.
0: <laughs> That's true. There's no saving grace. Yep. In Secret, Wars, where you're like, oh, well, I, I don't know. Some
1: of the the in Secret Wars two aren't that bad. <laughs> the new mutants <laughs> they are, ones are really like, good. They're barely linked to to, <laughs> to Secret Wars two. That's true. He's just doing his thing. Yeah.
0: Um. Okay. So, uh, is it the worst <laughs> X Men crossover then? What if we what maybe? Have we
1: Honestly, much? I barely remember most of the early nineties. Like X Fiction Agenda, X ex- all the stuff, ex- Executioner Song. I. Those all melt together for me. Um. Yeah,
0: I'm pretty. Um, I was. I'm pretty hard on extinction agenda. Uh but I will say, consistent Jim Lee, X Men. Yeah, trumps anything. Anything in this crossover for sure. Um, I think I I, I like the early nineties stuff more. I actually like Executioner's song a lot. Okay. Uh, uh Fatal Attractions is kind of a mess, but I definitely like that more. Um, Age of Apocalypse, obviously, Onslaught. I like more. I, I guess the the crossovers we did semi recently that are like those little mini weird ones, like Hunt for Xavier, Magneto War. I mean, those oh, are yeah. better just because they're slightly tighter. So, I mean, for me, I, I actually do think that's probably my least favorite X Men crossover. And, and part of that too is like it does feel like it should be good. It feels yeah, like it should, or at least be more interesting than it is. Like I like the premise.
1: It's like it just doesn't the do idea of it is like Apocalypse trying to become a god and making alliances <sighs> with the scrolls, like that's so fun and it's so yeah. boring <laughs> somehow yeah yeah I, I, think, well, like, I it, it's. I don't know if it's the worst to me but it's definitely the most disappointing
0: yeah yeah and I'm talking about just stuff to this point yeah maybe stuff after. I have people all the time being like you know I, obviously I talk about X-Men stuff a lot like on CBH with the modern stuff but it's like people being like oh is this you know the comics are so bad or oh you know Marvel's never been worse or blah 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 and it's like listen read one X-Men comic that was released this past week, and then go read the 12. And please, come back to me and tell me that comics were better. But, like, don't... Like, the, <laughs> the people the who think
1: that about modern X-Men stuff, aren't they the type of people that would love the 12 because it's, like, classic X-Men stuff, quote-unquote? Like, because I mean, it hits all of the boxes and the bingo cards? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, sometimes in this straw man we've constructed for ourselves, yeah. I guess. But I, I think when X-Men
0: fans... When you have, like, the stereotypical, like, super nostalgic X-Men fan, right, I think generally they're thinking of, like, 1990 through, like, Onslaught, you know? Like, if you actually make those readers go back and look in the mirror and Stone Cold sober read some X-Men from 97 (laughs) to 2000, like, like, come, come, walk out of there and tell me that you were having a good time. I dare you, (laughs) you know? I dare you. There's no nostalgia-tinted glasses that can salvage... (laughs) <laughs> Post onslaught, pre Morrison X Men. It is the dregs. It is the absolute dregs. And I'm sure there are folks who I like and respect who are like, "No, Mirror Rules. Get out of here, <laughs> or whatever." But uh, but yeah, like some, for me, that is some big. S-Ross I would rather read. Yeah, I would rather read any era
1: of X Men over '97 through 2000. Huh. Uh, pff- No, okay, no, I'd rather read 97 to 2000 than, uh, I can't even remember what it was, but like, every mutant on the planet is dead, and like, the new mutants are zombies, that was like, right before Krakoa, I can't even remember who that was, Banshee was a zombie, I think. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, what's this? <laughs> I think it's it's is it Uncanny X-Men right before Krakoa like when the X-Men on Earth there was like five X-Men left and they thought they thought every mutant was dead and like oh, oh, oh and oh the, the, the Matt Rosenberg yeah run that, where it's one,
0: like yeah. the small ragtag group yep. post Inhumans X-Men. Um okay, I'm I'm very down on that run. Uh I would rather I think it's more interesting as okay. a mess than 97 <laughs> through 2000. That's I sad. do. I've got that. That that actually might be the harshest low ranking. I think I have because because I, if it's the one that I feel the worst about. Because when I sh- you know I shared it out at one point like my list of the least my least favorite comics of all time, which I don't publish right. I just have this yeah. running tally, and at one point I published like my bottom twenty. Right, and you've got your tried and true. Obviously, Marvel is the worst um secret wars 2 is on there which we mentioned all of alpha flight you know is in the, is in the <laughs> list and uh but i have the rosenberg x-men on there and that was the one that people were like like oh i like that or like you know but and it's the one i feel the worst about because i really like some of matt rosenberg stuff yeah um his work with tyler boss uh what's the furthest place from here right now um four kids walk into a bank really love those comics those are awesome
1: no, no, that that's fair. I I still like I still like the 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 stuff we just read more than uh, than his and X Men. Sorry, Matt. No,
0: I think it's a bad X Men run. It's a oh, really yeah, it bad X Men run. Uh, I just feel badly that I it it's the I one thought... where I feel like I'm attacking someone that I like, and it makes me feel weird. Yeah, I thought
1: where you were <laughs> going with that is that you published the list, and Matthew Rosenberg re- re- replied to you like very heartbroken and betrayed. <laughs> that's why you're Here's so bad the about it.
0: Here's the thing, Matt Rosenberg doesn't follow me, (laughs) probably doesn't know who I am, but I have to assume that the only reason he has not accepted an invitation to come on the Comic Herald interview (laughs) podcast is because of where I ranked on Kenny X-Men. I just have to assume (laughs) that that's the reason, don't you think? What else could it be? What else could it be? I mean, here's the thing, Charlotte, like anyone who is anyone in comics has agreed to an interview with me at this point.
1: Oh, you're, you're getting that uh, Alan Moore interview. Nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alan did agree. Uh, yeah. We do. We exclusively are going to be talking about beard maintenance. Um, all, all of my questions, and this was, you know, his lawyer signed off on this. All of my questions are about how do you keep a giant beard from getting itchy, from from your family complaining about it being too bristly <laughs> and pokey, pure beer, beard maintenance questions. Okay, that, beard that so-
1: Honestly, that sounds like a very fun interview. But do keep me posted. I'm excited about it. Do keep me posted because I have some questions of unlike an idea I have for a baby watchman uh, spin off uh that I'd love to chat uh, about with him.
0: If we can if there's a character with a big beard, we can probably ask. Incredible. Him. <laughs> that's the only that's the only requirement. Perfect. Um you know what? I still I still am winding down uh reading his novella. Yeah. Uh what we can know about Thunderman, actually. Um, which is, it's like a, it's like a full history of comics. Yeah, I the lens except
1: of, that I think maybe you shared on on Twitter that's like seemed very fun, but I don't know. Yeah, it's like either. alternate
0: reality h- history of comics, yeah. but it's just clearly like our our world. It's it's clearly from someone who like both loves and despises. Yeah, <laughs> elements of it, you know, like you get those moments of, you know, it's actually like a little too on the nose in some ways. I would say um cuz there're like there's one section that, that I read somewhat recently it's about so it's about a fictional comics creator who's maybe like a i don't know like a Roy Thomas sort or something reviewing the complete history of S- superman but it's the analog so it's thunderman in movies
1: okay? okay but
0: then what the way more so it's it, each entry is like it's like you're reading a blog post right and it's like okay the first movie came out in 1940 here's what i thought of it um except all of the analogs are exact matches for Superman movies. So it's like the actual year that a Superman movie came out in our world and then like a name that reflects what that movie was. Um, So once we get like, and especially like once we get into like the more recent stuff, it's like Thunderman, Man of Storms in 2013. That's Man of Steel. Um, And then by the time you get 2017, it's the United Superman, which or United Supermen, which is Moore's, analog for Justice League but then the reviews are also descriptive of what happened in our own real world so it's like there was editorial interference and the directors are a mess and it's like it's really weird it's so like someone just, just doing,
1: like doing his uh <laughs> his reviews of uh, all the Superman movies like is it the characters yes. reviews or is it just Alan Moore reviewing Superman it's hard to know which yeah okay. it's
0: hard to know which because it feels like it feels like a very accurate you know sort of like pulled from a blog reading of the way somebody now would rank all the superman movies um okay, it's just yeah. it's not like it's actually not different enough
1: <laughs> yeah i mean I, I just saw uh, like a part of it where, where he talks about like i think 50s kind of horror comic stuff and like yeah it's yeah. just the names with like it's weird it's like journey into weirdness instead of journey into mystery like stuff like that and like that yeah. feels kind of I don't know, too easy, but, like, I feel we're seeing that about Alan Mo- Alan Moore, I'm sure there's way more to it. But just the the, the short uh, part I saw was, like, that's that's Alan Moore's new book, really? I don't know.
0: I think he makes it look easier, probably, than it actually yeah, is sure. to do, like, a really comprehensive history of the full weight and, and narrative of comics. Yeah, yeah and, and to be fair, I it? only
1: saw a page. Like, I'm not judging the whole book or, or anything. I'm just, like, I was surprised of uh, the little I saw of it. No, but that's that's kind of – like,
0: at times, that's when I'm the least into it. It's like, oh, this is just a history of comics, but the names are changed. Yeah. Um, but then there's, like, a, a section of it where it's, like, the people, and it's actually, like, leaning into, like, what are some of these creators like? And probably some of it is, like, based on stories that that are semi-true. Um, and that piece of it is really interesting. Like, I'll, okay. I'll give an example. Like, so the editor-in-chief at, at the DC Comics Analog dies, like, very early – and two of the creators or two of the editors who are like out to dinner with him, they go to his apartment to like see if they can find anything. but really all they want to do is just find his old comics. Um, like they okay. pretend they're helping, but they just, there's a lot of like everyone in comics is just kind of like a huge nerd who wants to get comics all the time, which is like, okay, that feels right. Um, <laughs> and uh, but they get there and the apartment is literally, covered in porno mags like like wall to wall and and the floors to the point that the editors are literally swimming through pornographic magazines like and it's like yes yes (laughs) and it's super weird and darkly funny and those are the bits where i'm like oh this is actually really interesting and funny because i i feel like more would say like there's actually more truth in this than probably you expect or something yeah. too um and then there are and then there's small moments where you get more actually talking about like you know one of the editors like as a kid like getting into comics and you actually get this really i get this clarity on like oh man this guy loved comics yeah. like oh man this guy was so passionate in a way that i really connect with and then there's this you know swimming through pornomex <laughs> stuff, and it's like it's a, it's an odd thing I, I don't know i don't know that i'm like you must read this, but I'm definitely having interesting time. I mean, it excitement.
1: sounds interesting for sure, yeah. Does he, yeah. like, if he does a, like, a history of uh, of the comics industry, like, does he talk about Watchmen at all, or, like, his place uh, as, like, the so, real world writer?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. So I'm, like, maybe two-thirds through right now. Okay. And that's, like, the one thing he voices over completely so far, with the exception of he'll just kind of allude to, like, Oh, and those creators got all dark and grim and gritty. Like, okay. he'll kind of allude to, like, the the traditional easy reflection of that era, um, but he hasn't actually touched it in detail. And I kind of don't think he will, because okay. that's the most—I don't know. It's like—that's the thing. Is like, I would actually—what's funny is, like, I would rather read Alan Moore's Super Gods, which is Grant Morrison's reflection—his autobiography, but through comics, you know, and his own opinions about comics and those sorts of things— I would read the hell out of Moore's version of that. Yeah. Um, this fictionalized version is, like, now when I get to, okay, he's just riffing on Superman reviews, but the names are changed. I'm like, I actually think I'm probably just going to skip over most of this. <laughs> you know? Because it's like, I, I don't want to read a fictional review of of Richard Donner's Superman 3.
1: like what that that actually sounds kind of fun like honestly (laughs) i want to No, better than wanting to know what alan moore thinks of man of steel i want to watch man of steel with alan moore next to me (laughs) and see his reaction right that sounds like an interesting experience
0: (laughs) yes oh man if there's a contest Uh, a giveaway and the prize (laughs) is sit on a couch next to Alan Moore and watch a superhero movie I will enter that a million times
1: the the second prize is you you just sit at a table with Grant Morrison on one side and Mark Millen on the other side and just have that discussion (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: and break bread
1: with uh, with Morrison and Miller that
0: sounds incredible all right good deal good deal uh all right anything else anything else we gotta share, share nope
1: yeah, before this turns further into just a variant cover <laughs> yeah this is list. clearly a variant cover
0: <laughs> all right cool thanks everybody for listening again you can support the show over at patreon.com slash my all the comics we read are listed in the show notes uh and the upcoming comics will be listed in the show notes as well for next episode which will be 2001 part one we're gonna be reading new x-men 114 to 116 um this is so the numbering here we'll talk about this probably next time but like it's just the series X Men rebrands and it keeps the numbering. Yeah. So that's why it starts at 114. But basically it's the number one issue. Um, so that's that's what's coming next. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks by buying Piece. I'm Dave, and for myself at Combook Herald at combookherald.com. Charlotte, you can find online at my marvelous year. Thanks for listening and enjoy the comics. Wait, no. We'll
1: see you next year. <laughs> see you next year. <laughs>